Quick review of the trade deadline. Very content with how it went. Like the way the team is playing. We've been extremely active and transactional the last two years. Wanted to give these guys a chance to settle in, gel, connect. Received lots of offers. I think it did make it somewhat more difficult to pry from us because we are happy with who we have and where we're at. So, of course, we always want to be opportunistic and you know not just be thorough in this market, but have a great feel for what our options are and what's available. And you know, in any transaction, you're just evaluating whether this is a good move for you or not. And all the discussions we had this time around, we chose to pass on them. Individually, um, seeing a lot of positive things throughout our roster. Very happy with the overall growth of our young guys with the quality, sustainable play that our veterans have provided. Happy with some surprises we've gotten. Guys that were under the radar before the season, Tamani Kamara, Duop Reed, those kind of guys. And also happy with how all these individuals are connecting as a group. I think going into the season, we knew there was gonna be a lot of ups and downs. We were gonna play well in spurts, we were gonna play poorly in spurts, and I think we've seen that. But in totality, I like where we're headed, especially I would say the last three weeks. Coming off of that tough road trip where we got be pretty badly very often. I really like how our team responded since then. And you know, that's what we're pointing to is the, the positives. What are we capable of? What are the good moments? What can we build from? How can we get more consistent in that higher end level of play? This is Tumani Kamar, and it's time to open up the briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, pleasure fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 79 of The Briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Trailblazers general manager Joe Cronin discussing the Trailblazers deciding to stand mostly pat at the 2024 NBA trade deadline, which expired on Thursday. Not a whole lot of action in the NBA during this year's deadline. It seems like most of the bigger trades, if you could call them that, happened a little bit earlier on in the process. But this year, while there was a bevy of trades towards the end of the deadline, not necessarily the caliber of player or the quality of picks going from team to team that we've become accustomed to seeing during NBA trade deadlines. So the fact the Blazers stayed mostly pat, even though they had some options and a lot of interest, I think probably tells you a bit about what the markets were like and whether it really made a whole lot of sense to move on from some of the players that they have that have value when you look at the other deals that happened in the NBA on Thursday. We'll talk a bit about the trade deadline, Portland's loss to the Pistons after the deadline on Thursday, and hear from Chris Murray on this edition of The Briefcase. Well, as I mentioned, Joe Cronin and his staff not doing a whole lot at the NBA trade deadline this year. The Blazers at the very last minute got Delano Banton from the Boston Celtics for a heavily protected second round pick that will likely probably never convey. But other than that, no deals made by the Trailblazers, even though both Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups said there was quite a bit of interest in players like Malcolm Brogdon, players like Robert Williams, but that there was just no deal that really materialized that made them feel like it was better to move those guys than keeping him on the team still. A couple things that Joe Cronin had mentioned during his press conference. One, he mentioned that he was really looking more for players at the trade deadline, not so much for draft picks, which I think a lot of us maybe assumed that the goal was to continue to stockpile some draft picks as a part of this rebuild that really kicked into gear once they decided to trade Damian Lillard. So that gives you a little more context in terms of where Joe Cronin and his staff feel like they're at in terms of building this thing back into a winner. 
The Blazers have been relatively active on the trade front in the last year and a half, executing five trades while dramatically reshaping the roster over the last 18 months. But rather than squeeze in a few more moves at the 2024 deadline, Cronin and his staff decided that the best route was to let the current roster come together for the next two and a half months. And that's not to say the youth movement isn't alive and well in Portland, which it absolutely is, but the team opting to keep veterans around in order to keep building on the good things they've done through the first 50 games of the season does make some sense, particularly if they didn't feel like any of the offers were going to make them better either now or in the immediate future. Was there interest in many of the Trailblazers veterans? Absolutely. But whatever those offers were comprised of, Joe Cronin and his staff decided that those returns weren't worth the expense, at least at this point in Portland's rebuild. I think it's important to remember, too, that even though they didn't do anything at this deadline, many of the players that have value, some of the players that I think people thought were going to be traded, some of the players that other teams called on during the run-up to the trade deadline, while their values might go down a little bit in terms of their contracts aren't as long at this point, or at least when they would be traded, for the most part, it feels like most of those guys are going to retain the value that they have. So there might not have been deals right now, but once you get closer to the draft, once teams are really focused on the draft to know who's going to be available, at that point in time, I would imagine that maybe some of those deals get better. That's not always the case. Obviously, sometimes you're not going to be able to get back the value that you want. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. It seems like a lot of teams did that at the trade deadline, making very minor moves for very marginal improvements or to get under the cap financial machinations. When that's the case league-wide, I think, again, that really tells you something about what deals were out there where teams are at. Joe Cronin also mentioned too, the still relatively new CBA may be keeping a bit of a cap on some of those deals as teams figure out how they're going to best go about dealing with things like the second apron and a more punitive cap. So it's very possible, in fact, I would say it's very likely, that this roster is going to look quite a bit different in October than it looks today. So if you're someone that's just hoping the team makes incremental improvements, I would say hold on a little bit longer for that. But the other thing I would say as well, if you look at some of the deals that happened before the deadline on Thursday, not a single deal for me that I look at and say, you know what, I wish the Blazers were involved in that, or why didn't the Blazers pull off a deal like that? For the most part, players went for second round picks, which second round picks are valuable, but the Blazers, the guys that they have on their team that other teams are interested in, probably a bit better at this point than getting traded for second round picks and some salary relief, which doesn't do the Trailblazers a whole lot of good anyways, because free agency has never been a place where the team has had a whole lot of success. And while I think it makes perfect sense and is completely valid to judge a team based off of what they did, not necessarily what they did in comparison with everybody else, I do think you have to consider that it is a market. And a market is subject to market forces that are very much defined by the 30 teams in the league. And if those 30 teams all kind of do the same things, which it seems like they did at the deadline, you can generally assume that that's a market condition, not necessarily something that each individual team decided that they were going to do. It's not like the entire league got together and said, you know what, guys, we're only going to do a bunch of minor deals at this trade deadline. If there are bigger deals to be done, if they made sense, they would have happened. All 30 teams, for whatever reason, really decided that this was not the time to make big deals. And the Blazers were just one of those 30 teams that decided that, which I think is important context to remember when you're deciding how you feel about how the trade deadline went for the Trailblazers. So with the roster intact for the rest of the season, at least hopefully, assuming they can get healthy again, I think you can assume that this team is going to balance getting a lot of minutes to their young players and also trying to be competitive while playing their veteran players. I would imagine that whatever that calculus is, it's going to change from time to time. I imagine some games, they'll maybe defer more to the veterans. I imagine that some games, they'll maybe look more to get the young guys minutes. But either way, it's not like they're going to enter the last two and a half months of the season and say, you know, we're going to change all of the kind of youth stuff that we've been doing, and now we're going to defer all to the veterans. I think the veterans are going to play. I think the young guys are going to play as well too. And I imagine as we get further and further into the season, you're going to see the young guys play a bit more, which is what we've seen 
over the last couple of seasons. So if you're someone who just wanted to see a deal because you didn't want to see some of the older, more veteran players take away minutes from some of the younger players, I don't think that's going to be that much of an issue going into the last two and a half months of the season. All right, moving on. If you weren't upset about the Trailblazers' performance at the trade deadline, you probably were upset about the performance in the fourth quarter and overtime of Thursday's loss to the Detroit Pistons, a game in which the Portland Trailblazers led by 23 points in the second half, ended up losing that game in overtime, 128-122, to the Detroit Pistons, a team that entered that game with seven wins. It's worth considering, as I mentioned in the start, no Malcolm Brogdon, no DeAndre Ayton, no Scoot Henderson. Anthony Simons played 25 minutes, ended up leaving with an ankle injury, did not return. At the time that Ant went out, they were up by 23 points, if I'm not mistaken. We get to the fourth quarter. The Pistons end up at the bonus early on in the fourth quarter, shoot a whole bunch of free throws in the fourth quarter, end up tying the game. Blazers unable to get a good look going into overtime. Blazers get outscored 8-2 to two in overtime, completely gassed by the time they got to the overtime with so many players out. Now, granted, the Pistons also had a lot of players out too, but basically the team that they had that had played the night before in Sacramento and that won the night before in Sacramento was basically intact at that point, other than Killian Hayes, who they waived earlier in the day, and Alec Burks, both who did play important minutes in their victory versus the Kings on Wednesday, but they had much more of a full completed roster in the fourth quarter than the Blazers had when they went on to win that game. Now, I'm not saying that that excuses the loss. You're up by 23 points. You would hope you'd be able to get out a win at that point in time. The Blazers have players that they're going to be relying on in this unofficial second half of the season that were playing in the fourth quarter of that game but just not able to pull that one out, despite the fact that Jeremy Grant had a career-high 49 points, very much because of the 18 of 20 he shot from the free throw line. They looked to Jeremy late in that game, absolutely gassed, ended up turning the ball over on Portland's last possession in regulation. Pistons weren't able to win it at that point. They were able to win it in the overtime period, though. Another important thing to point out in that Thursday night loss is it wasn't just injuries, but it was injuries at the wrong positions. You had Malcolm Brogdon already out in that game. Scoot Henderson already out in that game. Anthony Simons leaves in the third quarter with an injury. So at that point, the only point gun on the Trailblazers who was available to play is Ashton Hagens, who they signed from the remix that day. So getting his first minutes with the Portland Trailblazers, expected to play crunch time, fourth quarter, and overtime minutes. That's his difficult position to put a player like that in. Chauncey Bilbs even mentioned after the game that he felt bad for putting Ashton in that position. Not really able to get to their offense in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Pistons out-rebounding the Trailblazers significantly in the fourth quarter with the size that they have. Without DA and without Duwop, we're basically down to Jabari Walker, who is a very undersized center, and Ibu Baji, who is just getting his feet wet in the NBA as well. So between the injuries at point guard, the injuries at center, the amount of minutes that Jeremy Grant played, 45 minutes, the amount of minutes that Jabari Walker played, 43 minutes, just put the Blazers in a bad situation at the end of that game. And that's how you lose to a Detroit Pistons team that, again, entered the game with a 7-43 and record. Just to run down some of the stats, as I mentioned, Jeremy Grant, a career-high 49 points on 14 of 29 shooting from the field, 3 of 6 shooting from 3, and 18 of 20 shooting from the free throw line to go with 8 rebounds and 6 assists in 45 minutes. Anthony Simons, before he went out with injury, 29 points, 5 assists in 25 minutes. Jabari Walker, double-double with 17 points and 11 rebounds to go with 2 assists and a steal and a block in 43 minutes. Tamani Kamara getting the start in that game, 9 points. 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal in 35 minutes. Matisse Thibel putting up a career-best 7 assists in 38 minutes. Matisse also started in that game as well. Chris Murray coming off the bench to put up 12 points. The only other Blazer to score off the bench was Ashton with 4 points. 
in his premiere with the Trailblazers. On the other side, you had Jalen Duran put up 27 points and 22 rebounds in 37 minutes, 26 points for Jaden Ivey, 23 points for Cade Cunningham, 17 points for Marcus Sasser. But even considering Detroit's record, I don't know if I'd say that's Portland's worst loss of the season, but maybe their most demoralizing loss of the season. When you lose to the Thunder by 62 points, I think it's hard to say that that wasn't the worst loss of the season, even though the Thunder are a much better team than the Detroit Pistons are. But when you're up by 23 points, you just had your team basically stand pat at the trade deadline. You're going up against a Pistons team that I believe had 12 players listed as out for that game between the players that they had traded, the players that they had waived, and the players that they traded for who were not yet with the team. So to not be able to pull that one out when you're up by 23 points in the second half, that's a tough one to swallow, even with the situation the Blazers were in. That's a game where you still feel like you should probably be able to get that win with the players you had on your roster versus a very young Pistons roster. Just not the case though Thursday night. And speaking of injuries, the Trailblazers announced on Friday that Shaden Sharp underwent a successful procedure to address a core muscle injury. The procedure was performed by Dr. William C. Myers and Dr. Alex E. Poor at the Vincera Institute in Philadelphia. That's where all the other Blazers that have had core muscle injury surgeries have had their procedures done. Team says he will be reevaluated in six weeks. Six weeks gets us to late March, so it's possible he could return. And Chauncey Billups even said that Shaden was very adamant that he wanted to return. But that's going to depend a lot on his recovery and where the Trailblazers are at at that point in time. It would be great to see Shaden get back out there again, but I also think we've seen with these core muscle injuries that they work on their own timelines and you can't necessarily assume a quick recovery, though we also don't know the severity of this particular injury that Shaden has endured. But either way, he's hoping to come back before the end of the season. We will see if that's the case. Real quickly, since there's only been one game since our last episode, not going to go over the offensive and defensive ratings in this edition of the briefcase, but we'll mention that the Blazers, after covering in four straight games, did not cover in the loss to the Pistons, seeing as how they were favored in that game. The Blazers, once again, haven't been favored many times this season going into games, but almost every time they have, they have come away with a loss. So please, Vegas, for our sake, just don't make the Blazers favorites again this season. Always have them be underdogs. They seem to play better that way. The Blazers had been on a great run of covering. That run ended versus the Pistons, where there were six and a half point favorites to start, five point favorites by the start of the game, ended up losing that game by six. So after covering in four straight, the Blazers failed to cover in their first game after the trade deadline. No more favorites. Blazers as underdogs for the rest of the season. Well, finally, let's go ahead and hear from Trailblazers rookie guard Chris Murray, who got his first start this weekend versus the Denver Nuggets and has seen his minutes steadily increase as the season has gone on. Chris, who we last talked to on the briefcase at Summer League, discusses his rookie season, his time playing with the remix, what he's found the most difficult in the NBA, improving his defense, Elam endings in G League games, the skills that he's still looking to develop, what he's hoping to accomplish in the last couple months of the season, and where he might find Chris Murray off the court, particularly with his dogs. Always a good time talking to Chris. Really been happy to see his growth this season. A guy who seemed like he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit to start the season has really come on late in the season. I expect big things from Chris in the last couple months of the season. Let's go ahead and hear what Chris had to say after practice a few days ago. Oh, well, we're here with Chris Murray. Chris, thank you so much for joining me uh, for the second time, as uh, you mentioned on the uh, the briefcase. Uh, so first off to start, how would you say just your, your rookie season has gone so far? Yeah, for me, it's definitely been just really de- development. So I'm just kind of getting my reps in and um, spent some time with the Blazers and with the remix. And uh, both those opportunities have been really valuable to me, um, just be able to get my reps in with the remix and um, help me prepare for when I get my minutes and opportunities with the Blazers. So 
um, definitely just trying to maximize my opportunities this year and um, just keep just keep getting better. And I feel like, I feel like I have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you can see the the improvement from even game to game for you out there, which is is great to see. Is there anything that's maybe been a, a little more difficult than you thought it might be going into your rookie season? Now, obviously, your your brother is is in the NBA, so maybe you've gotten a little. You probably maybe have a little bit of a better sense than other guys about kind of what it's like. But has there anything that you were like, boy, this is this is maybe a little more difficult than I thought it would be? Yeah, just the spacing. Um, everyone knows, especially the the top teams, it's hard to guard just because they move so fast and so well off the ball. So a defense venue that's definitely is the biggest jump from college to um, uh, NBA. So that's just been my biggest focus is just defensively being able to be more of an off ball presence and also just getting better on the defensive end, just guarding the ball. Um, so th- for me, that's been um, just a point of improvement. Um, some that I've been working on uh, this year, just trying to get better at. And I feel like I've I've been making good strides in that area. Um, just getting confidence. Uh, is there anything that's been maybe a little bit easier than you thought it might have been coming into the league? I mean, not really. Yeah, probably uh, not. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you kind of got to get better in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, you definitely you definitely just want to improve in a lot of areas. For me, it's just been watching a lot of film and just seeing where I can get better. I think that's helped me a lot. Um, but, yeah, nothing's – I wouldn't say anything's easy in the NBA. Um, those things – a lot of things that I'm good at that I want to get great at. Um, a lot of things that I'm not great at but that I want to get really good at. So just trying to get better every single day. That's been my goal. You, you mentioned the G League and obviously spent some time with the Remix. Uh, what has that experience been like for you to, to play with the Remix? And – how is that different than, than playing a game with the Blazers? Obviously, you started a game in Denver for the Blazers a few days ago. You also played quite a bit with Remix as well. How do those two experiences kind of differ? Yeah, for me, it's just um, I got a lot of good reps with the Remix. Um, just be able to just have the ball in my hands a lot more and just be able to make plays and play through my mistakes. Um, so it's definitely a big difference um, just going from G League to the NBA um, just because just the, the IQs, the kind of stuff you run, it's, it's similar, but um, it's like another step above. But um, it's, it's helped me prepare a lot, just with the pace of the game, just the different actions a lot of teams run um, that are very similar to, to the NBA team. So just getting those reps has helped a lot. Um, it's just helped me see the game a lot better, um, just help it slow down just a little bit more. What is the camaraderie like in the locker room for the remix? Because obviously, you know, you have guys who are always on the team. Then you have guys like yourself and Roops and, and guys that are kind of going back and forth. Like, what, what is it like kind of being in that locker room where you're there sometimes and you're not there sometimes? Yeah, um, honestly, I think uh, Coach Jim does a good job over yeah. there just kind of preparing the guys that, like, when like we go down, uh, like when I go down, Justin Roops go down, um, that they might not get a lot of minutes than they have been. Um, I think the guys down there, they really um, just encourage me. Um, even uh, when I'm playing over them and uh, maybe get more minutes than – and they're getting less minutes than they have in the past. Um, I think they're really encouraging, and uh, just, they give me a lot of confidence um, over there. They, they got a lot of good guys, a lot of guys who play hard, play the right way. Um, and yeah, you can see they're having a lot of success down there, and there's a reason why. I think uh, Jim does a really good job with them. And it's kind of a weird question, but like, is, is it fun to play in those G League games? Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, I think my, one of my last G League games was the we had that Elam ending, mm-hmm. where it's like a, you go to seven in overtime, and I had no clue that it went to seven. I thought. <laughs> I was wondering why the clock was running, like, kind of down from 60, 60 minutes. But, uh, no, those games are fun, um, really competitive. You got a lot of guys who are just trying to prove themselves. And uh, for me, being drafted, being drafted, I got a target on my back. So I know guys are going to play me uh, pretty hard, um, especially on the defensive end, and uh, go at me on the offensive end. So um, it definitely helps me in a lot of areas. And, I mean, those games are really fun. We got a really good crowd at Remix games and at the University of Portland. So, um, yeah, if you ever want to hop on down there and go catch one, I think it's definitely worth it. 
that's my neighborhood actually too so yeah like i'm glad you guys are are there from time to time you probably drive by my house actually when you go to games it feels like you've been taking on more and more of a role with the team over the last month or at least since the beginning of the year how would you feel like your progression has gone in terms of making some of the improvements that you wanted to make while also getting the opportunity to show those things on the court in the nba yeah um it's definitely just for me it's, it's always there um it's just a matter of just being getting comfortable doing it i feel like i put myself in good positions on the court and um, i feel like i'm smart enough to know where to be at on a lot at a lot of the times and just getting reps in with those guys and uh get, knowing how they play and them getting comfortable with how i play it definitely helps a lot and um especially that denver game just getting off to a good start with them i think that was really important i'm um, just kind of setting the tone um uh, Coach Coach Billups did a good job just kind of getting me involved early. Uh, touched, the, touched the ball the first play and was able to make a nice pass. and Just, just little things like that helps give me confidence and um, helps me, me trust the guys on the court and helps the guys trust me. That, that's one of the things that, that Chauncey and a lot of the other guys, when they talk about you, they talk about like how you, you just kind of seem to understand what you're supposed to do and know where you're supposed to be. And I, I imagine, obviously, that's important for any player. But for a rookie, I imagine that's especially helpful, particularly when, you know, you're playing alongside a lot of your other rookies or, you know, guys that are 19 years old, uh, haven't probably played as much basketball as you have. So I'm curious, how helpful do you think it is to, to be a guy who people know that you're going to be where you're supposed to be at and you're going to understand what you're supposed to be doing when you're out on the court? Yeah, just a big thing that we've kind of emphasized, just no mishelps and just being in the right place. And um, that's something I definitely worked on. And just, I always kind of just want to be a guy, even since high school and college, I had my dad as a coach in high school. Um, didn't want him yelling at me. Had Coach Fran in college, and uh, he did a good job of just minimizing my mistakes. So I just want to be a guy who can you only have to tell once, maybe not at all, to do something the right way and um, do it the correct way. Um, that's kind of just been always who I am, um, just a low-mistake guy and just kind of being in the right place at the right time. So I've definitely learned that throughout my career um, at all different levels and uh, just kind of want to impact the game that way now. Uh, you talked about starting in the Denver game. Can you can you talk about maybe the, the differences in between starting and coming off the bench? I mean, I know that was your first start. Um, but also, too, I, it seems to me that your minutes have been steadily increasing. I would imagine that, you know, in the last couple months of the season, I, I could absolutely see a situation where you're playing more and more minutes and potentially even starting, particularly with some injuries now. Uh, so what was kind of the difference for you? or how did, did that feel any different? Did that change your approach when you entered the game compared to when you're coming off the bench? Yeah, um, I think when you're starting, you kind of your your one goal is to kind of get off to a good start. Um, it doesn't have to be scoring for you; it's moving the scoreboard in the right way for your team. So just be able to do that. And then, I mean, when you come off the bench, you, you're kind of reading the game, uh, just kind of how the game's going. Maybe it's more of a defensive game. Maybe it's an offensive game. You got to turn into a defensive game. Um, and the scoreboard changes every time you go you go into the game off the bench. So I think that's kind of the differences between that. Um, so yeah, when I was when I found out that I was starting, I just kind of wanted to get us off to a good start. And, because um, we, we've struggled a little bit yeah. in the past in the first quarters, and uh, just being able to get, get us off to a good start in Denver was big. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up here, uh, you mentioned we I talked to you in Summer League, and you know you were just kind of getting your, your, your life kind of figured out in Portland. How has kind of the, the off-the-court stuff gone in Portland for you? Um, I assume that you've got your own place. I know you've got a dog. Like, how, how has that whole kind of outside of basketball gone for you in your rookie season? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been going well. Um, I've gotten settled in. I got my girlfriend living with me, got my two dogs living with me. So um, it's it's just a really good place and uh, live in a quiet neighborhood. So it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, Portland's a great city. I've gotten to explore it a lot, uh, especially in the off season. I'm uh, looking forward to in the summertime. So uh, yeah, I mean, off the court, it's been going really well. Obviously, like those two week road trips kind of uh, 
it makes you think a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you want to go home a lot more. Right, yeah. But yeah, so going through those early in the season it has been really good and just makes me appreciate coming home to my family and my dogs and uh, just seeing them. Where are you likely to see Chris Murray out with his dogs in, in the general area? Where, where, where can people find you at? Probably dog parks. Just Which one? Though? I, I, want, I want specifics. Yeah, I've been to Gabriel Park. Or I've been the one. I've been the one uh, Snyder Park a lot. Okay, they got a nice one over there in uh, Sherwood. Uh, I've been to Durham, kind of over here, mm-hmm. Durham Dog Park. Uh, yeah, I haven't taken my new dog to the dog park yet, but oh, yeah, she, okay. she's crazy. Uh, but yeah, just more of the south side. You're probably seeing at some dog parks, especially in the summer. Some what, trails. What, what, what kind of a dog is your new one? I, I got two two uh, red golden retrievers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two girls. They're crazy. What but, are their names? Indy um, named her after. I remember Indy. Yeah. After the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, and then Rosie for Rose City because we got her in Oregon. So there you go, Chris Murray discussing his rookie season, playing with the remix. A lot of good remix stuff in there too. You really understand how important it is to have a G League team when you see guys like Chris Murray, who started the season looking a bit uncomfortable out there in NBA games, got a chance to get some reps with the G League, and recently really looking more fluid, really looking more confident he was out on the court really seeing the improvement and the value of having a G League team with a guy like Chris Murray. I think we're going to continue to see that throughout the rest of the season as some of these guys end up playing more and more minutes towards the end of the year because of the time and the reps they got with the remix earlier in the year. I would imagine the start that Chris Murray got in Denver will not be his last start this season. I would imagine that as the season goes on, as we get into March into April, I could absolutely see Chris taking on more minutes, particularly if Shaden Sharp is not able to come back. Chris has been sliding in at that 2-3 position and doing a nice job of that too. So there's minutes available. I imagine that Chris Murray is going to have an opportunity to get those minutes, and I hope he's able to do something with him. He's a great young man, and anyone who has multiple dogs is all right by me. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. Thanks so much for joining me, as always. New episodes next week. Trailblazers host the Pelicans on Friday before playing consecutive games versus the Minnesota Timberwolves at Moda Center on February 13th and February 15th before the All-Star break. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. I am Casey Holdall. Go to trailblazers.com slash podcast to subscribe to The Briefcase, The Blazers Balcony, and Section 113. We will talk to you next week. Go Blazers.